have a special treat this morning. Rome Herbert is with us. Uh, come on up, Rome. That's right. So uh, Rome uh, used to be on staff here at City Hope uh, a couple years ago for multiple years. Uh, he was here at the very beginning of City Hope and uh, then joined as an intern and then came on staff with us uh, and now lives in Indianapolis. And so he is back bringing the word to us this morning. So uh, let's dig in together. Is, this, is it on? Okay. Hey, everybody stand up with me. Stand up with me. We're going to uh, read Psalm 103. You feel me? Together. Can you throw that on the screen for me, Chris? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Y'all sound beautiful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, and his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his Bless the Lord, all his Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy. Sing like never before, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Nobody know the verse? <laughs> I don't either. It's cool. It's cool. Y'all can sit down. Y'all can sit down, man. City Hope, what's up? What's up? Hey, talk to me, man. What's up? 
Make some noise if you here today. Yeah, we here, we alive. I see Scott, man, Scott, it's great to see you, man. I love the beard. I want your beard one day, man. That's my number one goal in life. It's all you, man. Share some love someday, man, uh, you feel me? Uh, but no, nah, it, it's good to be here. I just like to, uh, one, center with God's word, man. Psalm 103 is what I'm in today. Uh, but I'm not going to be up here too long. Like Josh said, uh, my name is Rome Herbert uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, ra but raise your hand if you've ever been to a listening party before. Uh-oh, a, lis a listening party? Anybody ever been to a listening? Nobody been to a listening party? Okay. Oh, I see somebody in the back. You been to a listening party? Okay. Yeah, so a listening party, right? I'm a hip-hop artist. I do music. And so a listening party, typically you'll hear the songs of the artists, but then also you get a chance to hear the heart behind the songs, right? You get to hear your favorite verse broken down, like there's a a moment in the song that you like really catch you like, oh, what are you thinking when you said that? It's like, oh, this is what it meant. You feel me? And so today, I just want to host a listening party. All right, can we do that? Can we host a, is that okay? Okay, yeah, just talk, talk. So I just like to do a lot of call and response. So you might have to talk a little bit more than you're used to. Is that okay? We just going to talk back. Okay, all right, we're warming up a bit now. Shout out to Jim Moore. Everybody give Jim Moore a hand clap. <laughs> For context, he hosted a show, uh, Jim and Aaron, right? It's not just Jim, right? Jim, <laughs> Jim and Aaron and his family hosted a show where we got to break down music with my guy Chris Mackinan back on the slides. You feel me? Chris on the slides. And so we're just going to host a similar listening party, but today... We're in Psalm 103. Somebody say Psalm 103. Okay. So before that, though, man, I got to tell you a quick story, right? Okay. I'm going to try to make this quick, but I've never worked with this whiteboard before. So Josh, Josh you there? He's like, oh, this is going to be bad. Uh, so let's see. Let's not let this break the flow too much. Josh, is this... Uh, he said, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, home, right, and then HDMI 1, right here, right here, okay. So here's a quick story, right? I did a listening party in Indianapolis early this year, right, where I'm from. And I, but the week leading up to it, this is me, right? Yeah, I need a big beard like Scott, you feel me? This is who I hope to be in the future. You feel me? This me. I'm out here. I'm by myself. I live alone, man. Fortunately, I'm, with, I'm out with the gang, though. Uh, I get off of work. Oh, I need a nose, too. I get off of work. <laughs> That's not how my nose look. There we go. Uh, so I get off of work, and the weeks leading up to the listening party, I'm noticing that it's all these flies in my house, man. Everybody had, like, a problem with flies before? You just keep swatting. Oh, in the back. Wait, y'all in the back? No, man. Y'all know my life. So it's these flies back to back. They buzzing around. Those look like flies. Those don't look like flies. These are big flies. They was big, man. So back to back, I got these flies just around my crib. And I'm like, man, it literally got so bad to I came back off of work like the week before. And I kid you not. My fly per hour kill ratio 
was like six. I came back and back to back on my window pane, I'm like, <laughs> flies are everywhere just getting smacked, right? But the issue was, I'm like, all right, I have six people. I'm trying to like reach out to my neighborhood. I'm trying to share my songs. I'm trying to get this listening party, right? And I had people from my neighborhood come out. I had people vibe from my church out. What am I going to do? That can't be in this house with all these flies, right? And so I do what anybody sensible do, right? I call the pest control. Hey, man, pest control, man, I got all these flies in here. What am I supposed to do, man? And so he, like, he pulls up. He's this dude. He's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Ooh, what's what we put? I'm just like, okay. I don't know what, what all you do. You look kind of creepy. It's not to, it's not to go anybody to do pest control. If you do pest control, I'll mess with you. You feel me? But all he did was like spray stuff around the baseboards. And then he's like, hey, call me in like a week if nothing changes. I'm like, the listening party is this Friday. I can't. So I'm like, I got to make some shape, right? So I'm searching around. I'm calling people. I'm stressing. I'm like, yo, what am I supposed to do to get these flies out my house? So, and then, yes, you might cry. The story takes a dark turn. I go into my kitchen, right? This is my kitchen. <laughs> oh, no, this is my oven. This is my oven, right? <laughs> and then, uh, Josh, all right, hold on, let's see. I'm stressing. I'm thinking, okay. I done swatted flies back to back. Nothing really changed after the pest control dude got here. But then I, I'm like, I finally start. all right, let me just sit, eat something. I haven't eaten something in a while. Like, I wasn't cooking. Like, you know the time you just keep going out to eat because you don't have time to cook? Anybody been there before? Okay, y'all cook a lot. That's good, man. I'm not like that. All right, so I go to open up my oven. <laughs> and then... Uh, let me see how I animate this. I'm not an animator. Oh, that's not good. Josh, help. Uh, nah, hold on. Let's see. I'm a whiteboard novice. But uh, so I opened up my oven. That's not how it is. But I opened up my oven. Long story short, I opened up the oven. And then, I kid you not, I get smacked in the face with this putrid smell. Somebody say putrid. I literally almost throw up. I'm like, eh. and it's these. Y'all see this? Y'all see this? Uh, ooh, my bad, man. I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> Let me. This, right? You see this? It was like four or five maggots this size, and a bunch of flies swirling around this chicken that I had left in the oven for about a good two to three weeks. Because I was stressing. And so, let me go back and see if I can make some shape with this. Josh, you're right, this did take longer than I thought. So, yeah, I just took the oven with me. <laughs> took the oven with me. So, now I've gotten to the source of where these flies are coming from. And I realized, man, don't leave the chicken in the oven that long. You feel me? <laughs> There's a lot of morals to that story. But so often when we seek, actually, let me, let me go off this screen now. 
Get, give a hand for this whiteboard, man. See, back in the day when I was preaching, give a hand for the whiteboard, man. Back, <laughs> back when I was preaching, we didn't have this, man. We didn't have these things back in my day. Okay. Uh, hit the bottom. Help me, Josh. All right. No, hold on. HDMI 1. Okay, let's see if that works. Oh, there we go. All right, man, man, yeah, yeah. Run across to the whiteboard, man. Uh, so, long story short, right? In our attempts to bless the Lord, we can run into roadblocks. If you can jump to Psalm one hundred three for me today, it's one of the greatest hit songs, right? In the Psalms, I would say, personally, I, I love this song. Uh, anybody familiar with genius, rap genius back in the day? They would annotate the lyrics. So now it's just called genius. But you look up the lyrics, you get to see the breakdown more so about what a song is about. So that's all we're going to do at this listening party today. And with the context of situations like mine where, say, we want to bless the Lord, well, it's a bunch of flies coming. There's a bunch of distractions, and we, we have distance from actually trying to share our favorite songs, like from actually connecting with what blessing the Lord could even mean. So today is Psalm Genius, right? Uh, what makes every song great, though, is the hook. The part that we repeat and remember the roast in the hook in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist back to back, which is David, ends up repeating this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, at the beginning and then at the end. And the structure is a little different, right? But in songs we're used to, that we listen to, the hook will happen maybe three times, right? And it gets stuck in our head like, it's these catchy songs, these melodies, these words that we're drawn to, and we can't stop singing. I know for me, when I find a song I like, I'll play it over like a million times. You know what I'm saying? Chris Mack knows that he used to live with me. Like, I would play the same song <laughs> even when I fell asleep, right? So I would sleep and live. <laughs> yeah, I would fall asleep. Chris would be mad because he's like, dude. Turn the song off. But he said it was a rap song. Oh, yeah, it's like some like heavy trap songs with like the bass like going crazy on my speakers that I would fall asleep to. And that work too, because Scott worked with me, right? It never stopped. So songs are supposed to get stuck in our head. And it was no different with these songs back then, right? This was in, these usually happen in temples to be shared among people, right? And this particular psalm is one of those psalms where it's like, yo, people are going to sing this together. Kind of like how we did earlier, right? Serene was killing it on there. You feel me? She's like, mm, you feel me? I don't have the range that she do. But it's these songs that can happen a couple times. But I bet you didn't know that this author, David, he's a hip-hop artist. Uh-oh. What? Rome, what are you saying? David wasn't a white man making CCM songs? 
got bad news bears for you. Um, don't worry, he wasn't black either, you feel me, from, uh, from Indianapolis like I would wish. But what I mean is the structure of this song is parallel to how a select few hip-hop songs would go, right? The verse actually goes longer to expound on the hook of bless the Lord, right? Bless the Lord. What does that even mean, though? Bless the Lord. Isn't God the only one that can bless anyways? How could we bless him? That's puzzling. But let's keep listening to this song because really the best hooks are created by subverting our common expectations of phrases that we're used to. And we're going to look at this particular verse, right? This is even longer than a 16-bar verse in hip-hop. But we're going to break it into three sections to see how it's supporting the hook that we are to bless the Lord, O oh my soul. So first is lines two through five that David is writing in this psalm, intended to be sung, right? But he's speaking to the soul. What does he say in Psalm 2 through 5? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, right? Heals all your diseases. Well, I kind of want to, I want to circle these things. Is this going to work? I'm going to just leave it alone, man. It's it's too distracting right now. It's a fly to me. All right. So... (laughs) Heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, Ooh. who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, right? And he's, so he's talking to the soul. He's saying to not forget. Why is this important? It's easy to bless the Lord with our lips, but not our soul. But including our soul and all within us requires us to remember. But what are we remembering, right? He's breaking down, remember, his benefits, his being God, his godness. But it says benefits, but it it ends with a negative in each bar in the beginning. So it's saying the soul must remember iniquity. The soul must remember diseases. The soul must remember life from the pit. But without remembering these, we don't remember the benefits of forgiveness, healing, and redemption. And then he points out, he then goes forward to more positives, right? He says, God crowns with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies with good so that youth is renewed. So he's reminding the soul of iniquity, disease, life in the pit. And then he contrasts it with steadfast love and mercy and youth renewal. And don't miss the bar there. Like, he gave a simile too, like eagles. Did you guys think about an eagle? He's giving you images of what God does that's practical also to the people, to see what God is like, right? Somebody say bars. Bars. Yeah, bars. Now, that's the first part towards blessing the Lord, though, is starting with acknowledging who we are in relation to God. But now, 
David actually switches the flow in line 6 through 14. And this is common. Actually, that's why I say he's a good hip-hop artist, because every four bars in hip-hop, you want to switch the flow so that people remain interested and engaged. So David switches the flow. In 6 through 14, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. He asked to the people of Israel, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding steadfast love. He will not always shy, nor will he keep his anger forever. Right? In this section now, we, we're starting to see a move from the individual wrestles of the soul to now a, a community understanding. God, David has made us more aware that this, this is bigger than just you individually, right? That's an important part, but you're also a part of a community. It's a corporate understanding that we got to see. And as we keep going on, right, uh, verse 10, he does not deal with us. Right now he's using us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Then he, once again, he's starting to give us more practical, like, images of as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. So it's like this, this vertical understanding. And for them, right, they didn't go to outer space. They, the highest they probably seen was a mountaintop. Then once they got to a mountaintop, they like, ah, oh, well, as far as you can go. You know what I mean? But as far also as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. They didn't have trains. They didn't have planes. They didn't have buses. They didn't even sometimes know the next, I don't know, continent down. We, 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 we have this understanding that's so large with these people here, they like, the east and the west? I don't even got a GPS. I don't know how to get from here to there. But that's how far God has done for them. And then 13 and 14, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. There's once again our frame. He remembers that we are dust, right? So David is pushing forward on this idea that, yes, there's the individual wrestles of the soul, but there's also this community understanding of, of the soul here, uh, this community understanding about, wow, we're tied into an identity that's greater. And so the history around this time is about three to 400 years after this people group left Egypt, right? Because David, he evokes Moses, Right, he says, as Moses, actually, is a way to go back in the slides, man, to, to the Moses one. Is that up there? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Chris, hey, give a hand for Chris, man. He's killing it on the slides. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And see, a lot of great MCs and artists here, they do that. They point to older figures and artists because it helps the people remember the bigger narrative that they're a part of and gain hope, right? They came from slavery, and in the present era, their community is still susceptible to attack from surrounding nations. So David keeps reminding them of who God was back there with Moses, and we get some more 
bars in, in, in that highest earth, you know what I'm saying, the, the heavens are above that. It's, it's like this picture of God that he's been present, he's been the same back then, three to four hundred years ago. And even though people may have died, and that history may be forgotten or lost on some of the present Israelites that David is talking to or that's singing these songs with them, they got to remember that, right? They got to remember that these, these songs that they're singing are tied to people that have lived and seen God work righteousness and justice. These aren't just songs that are abstract on what God might do for me. This is what God actually did. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And if we can jump actually to Psalm, uh, the 14th verse of this. Man, Chris, you a dog, man. Shout out Chris, man. So David is switching up the flow, right? Once again, it's this ancient hip-hop formula set up metaphor and punchline. Right. And David right now, he's setting up. In verse 14, he remembers that we are dust. This actually is leading to the next section. This actually more of a break when you read it in the ESV. Right. But he's setting up for the next section that, yo, now we're going to transition to. The godness of God, the, the, the largeness of God, we're going to focus on God as a punchline. And he's really driving home the point that, in contrast, people are not God, right? People are dust, and then as for man, his days are like grass. It's a simile, it's a bar, somebody say bar. He flourishes like a flower of the field, say bar. The wind passed over it and it's gone, and his place knows it no more. They see that's where we go, man. Hey, give a round of applause, man. <laughs> he he understood the assignment, man. He understood the assignment. The punchline is in verse 17, though. But he's transit, he's switching the flow again, right? Remember, you gotta switch the flow when you're doing hip-hop. David is a hip-hop artist. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. So the unending nature of God. Verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. This is the first time in the section where David has changed, used this turn in direction and changed the subject. And the main character, he's contrasting that, that man with Lord, right? So man is, is dust, but the Lord is, he's established a throne in the heavens. This, this God is so much bigger and so much greater. And this last section is, is just, when you understand this verse, right, we got to remember, the, now in any great psalm, 
We had the, the hook, right? The hook had us bobbing our head. Okay, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's a little remit. Oh my soul. Oh, y'all not vibing with the song yet? Okay, cool. That's okay. We'll work on that. Uh, Serena will help me on the vocals next time. <laughs> uh, then it goes, it goes from the hook to this long verse. We now walk through, okay, there's the individual, right? Then there's a community, and then there's God. So we've seen what blessing the Lord entails. We got to understand the individual. We got to understand the community. And then we got to understand where God is in relation to all of those. And now he actually takes us back to a pre-hook, right? A pre-hook. A pre-hook leads up to or amps up again to the hook. It, it's somewhat expounds on the hook a little bit more, but... It's all supporting the hook again. Bless the Lord, oh you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord. And then he starts naming others, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Once again, oh my soul, oh my soul. There we go. We starting to get it. We starting to get a little bit. You feel me? We get a little comfortable. Um, but where does this leave us, right? It's, it's cool to think about a song for them. Like I said, in this time, in this period, they experienced going to a, a, a temple and singing with their people, and that's that's cool for them. But there's some distance for us because we weren't at this listening party when this went down. You, you know what I'm saying? Y'all ever went to some with your friends or they, maybe somebody told you about something and they're like, yo, it's this moment where uh, the, the singer was doing this and uh, they did this one thing. And, uh, he, they're like, they're clearly really excited, but at the end, it's just like, you just had to be there. You know what I mean? You just had to be there to really feel it. And, I mean, I was at a show earlier this week, and people were, like, screaming at the top of their lungs for this artist. Uh, and I was like, yo, this is insane. I didn't even know the artist either. But I, just by being in proximity, I wanted to sing the same thing. And I think that's kind of what we wish happened when we read these Stories in the Bible, we, we hear about these songs. We hear about, okay, the Lord made his way known to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Like, we, we hear that and we're like, dang, that sounds dope. But how do, how do I actually connect with that? And like I said earlier, David dropped this verse to showcase that it's actually possible. But when we think about blessing the Lord, once again, this hook has been permeating throughout this message. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Are we able to bless the Lord today? Are we even capable of doing that? So when I looked up the Hebrew for blessed, right? And so even could contribute further to the distance. This was in a different language, right? 
When I looked up the Hebrew for blessed, it was this word, Baruch. Is that the right pronunciation, Josh? He a Hebrew scholar, so hey, man, he, he, been, he been to uh, Israel, I hope. <laughs> so Baruch also best translates as to kneel, right? So kneeling. So we think about that. That's easy enough image. Like there's a, a picture of kneeling, a movement to it. So if kneel... If that's how you bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Didn't really feel that different to me. Oh, wait, hold on. You know, on the hook, like when they singing something, you kind of forget the words. It said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul. Oh, it's the soul that has to kneel. How do you make the soul kneel? Bless the Lord, soul. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I don't really feel like it's working right now. But I think that's often how we feel, right? Blessing the Lord, it don't feel like it works. It feels like it's supposed to be some magic that I'm not feeling right now. How do you make the soul kneel? Thankfully for y'all, fortunately for y'all, I put a bit of time into trying to investigate this. And in typical form and fashion, I have my three Presby points, right? I know, I know where I'm at, man. I know it's City Hall Fellowship, but they come from the Presbyterian background. And commonly, there are three points. So we have three Presby points. Say three Presby points. That is a powerful point. Hey, say that again. Points. Three present points. That's a bar right there, too. Hold on. All right. So the first one I'm going to say is listen to my soul. Okay? One of the biggest reasons we can even struggle at first with blessing the Lord it's because of this lie, right? And it's, it's within all of us, within all of our experiences that tells us we aren't even capable of blessing the Lord. At the root of this is shame, this word called shame, which it always tells us a different story. We all have these stories inside of our heads that, that play over and over that essentially are, are looking towards why we are not good enough. And Josh actually gave me a book a couple years back while I was still on staff called The Soul of Shame, right? This author, Kurt Thompson, best describes it this way that in, in his page uh, 24. One, one way to approach it is to understand it's an undercurrent of a sensed emotion 
of which we may either have a slight or robust impression that would declare that some version of me, I am not enough. Like there, there's something wrong with me. I am bad or I don't matter. And to a degree, right, that, that, that's true in the confessions that we hold, that there is something wrong with us and we are not enough in and of ourselves to change this falling short and condition um, of sin that we find ourselves in. This, this is a human condition that's broadly understood. But shame is a little different in that it's saying there, there's a specific wrong or lack in us that is uniquely more or greater than any other human that has been affected by sin. And these narratives, these stories that we hear in our heads or that we feel, they work their way deep into our soul and push us to hide, right? They push us to hide our, what does the psalmist say? Our personal iniquity. They push us to hide our diseases. They push us to hide when our life is in the pit. But then also, shame can push us to hide the good. It can push us to hide our youth, the steadfast love and mercy we received in the first section by David, lines two through uh, five. I think that's the next one on there, Psalm 103, two through five. Bless the Lord, <laughs> oh my soul, right? It pushes us to hide your, and he's speaking to the soul, right? Don't talk about your iniquity. Don't acknowledge your disease. Don't acknowledge your life from the pit. But if you don't do that, you can't know the benefits. You can't understand the forgiveness that comes unless you understand the iniquity, unless you sit with it. You can't understand the healing that can come unless you allow yourself to be diagnosed of your diseases. And you can't understand redemption unless you can acknowledge when your life is in the pit. Right? And shame makes it believe that these benefits are not available to Serena's soul. It makes us believe these benefits are not available to Kevin's soul. And it makes us believe and me believe that it's not available to my soul. Take, for example, right, my earlier story. One of the biggest stories I constantly fall into is that I am never working hard enough. So a pattern I fall into is overworking and neglecting to pause and rest. Because you think about it, you hear like, hold on, how did you have chicken in the oven for two weeks? But when I start listening to my soul, 
I was stressing so much about this listening party. I'm stressing so much about, yo, I'm trying to make sure I invite people. I'm trying to make sure the house kind of cleaned up. Uh, I'm trying to make sure that the songs are good. I'm like editing stuff last minute too. I can fall into this pattern that Shane tells me that you're not doing enough. And therefore, don't even eat. Don't even stop. Because you have so much stuff to take care of. But you know what happens, right? When we end up attacking the symptoms, we spend hours swatting flies. We spend years killing flies. And the symptoms and behaviors to say we're not good enough. If, if we can only achieve this, or if we can only stop doing that, then we will be loved. Then we can pause and rest and eat. But there's a lot of chickens that we leave in the oven of our lives <laughs> to rot for years. And the fortunate thing is, when you take it out, the smell, nobody wants to smell that. Trust me. <laughs> but if you don't take it out, lose your oven. But David's response is different, right? He, he causes not to remember our capacity to do good, but God's reality of the good he has already done for us. So as painful as it is to open up that oven, to, to understand he who forgives, we have to wrestle with what our soul's iniquity is. What is our particular wrestle in our soul that we have? What are the diseases that we hide and keep tucked that we don't want anybody to know about? What are those seasons of our life in the pit to know who redeems it? All of these pop up in the back of our mind and we can think about our own individual wrestles and those start to create this narrative of why we can't bless the Lord because if they knew about that, nah, I can't bless the Lord. If they knew what happened to me, actually, this is why I won't bless the Lord. Because deep in our soul, we have began to believe also, that he's not worthy of that blessing because we haven't experienced this healing that David's talking about. We haven't experienced this redemption from the pit. How is it possible to bless this Lord when I have not experienced this? If you're in this spot, I got good news, actually. It's okay to be there. 
That's simply a part of acknowledging and investigating and sitting with your soul. And it gets incredibly uncomfortable to listen to the soul here because we left it hidden for so long. But a part of doing soul work is point number two, right? The second Presby point. Listen to others. Remember in the first flow switch, David took us from individual to corporate because that's actually where our soul begins that process of finding freedom and listening to others. To, to also take a page from Kurt Thompson, this soul of shame, when, when we experience shame, right, we tend to turn away from others in a void. We, we feel shame and then shame for feeling shame and interactions with people. So even though our souls may struggle internally, we have to do that in the context of community. Shame is not something we fix in the privacy of our mental processes. Evil would love for us to believe that to be so. We combat it within the context of conversation, prayer, and other communal embodied actions. But when we start to listen to others in the story of the Bible, we see that the Lord is actually worthy of blessing because of his past interactions with humanity. If we jump back to Psalm, I don't know if it's on there, Psalm 103, 6, right? It's talking about the Lord working righteousness and justice. And we jump to verse 10, actually, too. Chris Down is talking, I like it. It talks about, once again, remember, it turned to our sins. It turned to our iniquities, right? So in sitting with ourselves, when we start opening up to others, we understand we're a part of a narrative and we're not alone in our wrestles. And it's interesting that Moses is using the line before the Lord, right? This figure of Moses, we kind of, we brush on him a bit, but actually let's, let's sit with Moses for a second. And, and here's talking about he's slow to anger, right? God was slow to anger. But if we jump to Exodus 4.14, let's see if that's on there. Fingers crossed, Chris, if, if that's too much. Yeah, there we go. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Some say burned against Moses, right? So it's talking about in Psalm that this is a God that's slow to anger, but it used a figure like Moses where his anger actually burned. But in this same individual's life, in Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This, Moses got to hear this 
one time where his anger actually experienced it burned against him, but then also his slowness to anger. So we see from history that the Lord, he does indeed experience and have holiness and justice and, and righteousness within him. But this whole section begins with the understanding that the Lord's posture toward his people and simply the oppressed is one of compassion. Right? This is important to note because we all experience unrighteous situations when we have been wronged and feel a lack of fairness. Times where situations were just not just. In Moses' time, right, this was no different. So remember, we got we to remember that he's pointing to Moses for a reason. That in this time period of Moses, when they had experienced all that slavery, they experienced the oppression, the climate was disbelief. Their spirits were broken. Their bodies were broken, right? It was commonplace to see the weight of oppression. And he, he was pointing back to that heritage, not just for the sake of the oppression, but the sake of the Lord that works on behalf of those experiencing the oppression. And in the same way, we got to wrestle and contend with the hopelessness of people around us, right? Brian was praying earlier about, yo, wrestling with the conflict in Palestine and Israel. You feel me? Wrestling with what are the histories, what are the narratives, what are the, the suffering of both people groups? And then mission the war in Ukraine. Like we see war, we hear war, we experience war and injustice. We experience division, political, you know, this season coming back around, right? We're going to experience, once again, the division, each side yelling at one another. This is right. This is wrong. This, I was treated unfairly in this way, and nobody cared. And whole groups are going to rally behind a specific point and cause us to hate our neighbor in new ways. I consider recently one of my older cousins a few weeks ago was killed by the police in Newcastle on the way up to a hospital in Muncie. He died from the pains that he had as they yanked him out the car. He called from a hospital to Newcastle. We're still trying to figure out how to pursue some form of justice. But is this the same Lord that works righteousness? As I was grieving and talking to a family member before the funeral, we're realizing, we're wrestling with, yo, nobody, and then I love this person to death. They saying, nobody will ever know, right? It's best to bury the dead and move on. But you know what? In my grief, I'm hearing it and processing the grief as well and realizing she came from Greenwood, Mississippi in the 60s up to the near east side of Indianapolis and Brightwood. 
she's experienced way more times where people can get away with killing someone and hiding the evidence or not even talking about it because it's not important. And there's nothing we can do about it. So grappling in real time with knowing about this Lord who works righteousness and justice, is he the same God today? And how will he work righteousness and justice for me, for us? But it's in the context of community and listening to others that our souls have to process and begin to be set free to see this God is the same. And he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. He knows our pain and our deep-seated hurt. He sees when righteousness doesn't happen. And he works justice for the oppressed. And so while our souls have distinct and individual struggles, we are part of communities of people that can relate. Maybe not fully, but it's a means of healing in real time and space. And we may look at spots in the Bible, right? 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So we see God vertically. He's not going to stop forgiving us, right? But we also see in James 5.16 that we confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We experience healing actually in the midst of other people because God uses other people as his hands and feet. So maybe I don't know how I approach the situation to work out the righteousness that talked about in the Bible with the Israelites, but somebody else has an idea or has a prayer or has a word or has an encouragement, has a direction, a connection of which God can work about healing and work about his justice. And that actually leads to the last point from David's section. And this is the third point. We listen to God. It says two is three. Trust me. When we listen to God, we see something very foreign and outside of our current society. It said, Everlasting to everlasting love in Psalm 103, verse 17. All right, verse 17 through 19. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. But at the same time, in verse 19, we see something else. This is a Lord who has established his throne in the heavens. 
and who rules over all. So at the same time as being this infinite love, he also had this infinite power. And this is foreign to us, and this is foreign just to our minds because we, once again, are in contrast dust. Personally, right, we experience when love falls short. Whether that's through a family member or a friend, right, that may pass on or die, right? Maybe their love for us was strong, but they weren't strong enough to live on, right? Or maybe, personally, what I've experienced, the shame of heartbreak. I've experienced the despair of divorce and relationships broken. And then outside of our romantic interest, where we may be vulnerable with people, there's even a limit to how somebody can love us because we have the ability to hide ourselves. So even if somebody has the intention of loving you, you can still hide parts of yourself that you don't want to share. But it's not the same with God, right? Because what? He knows our frame, our thoughts. But we wouldn't say out loud to anybody else, oh, yeah, he, he heard you in the car when somebody cut you off. He has this love that is so knowledgeable about us, it's scary. But he's also powerful enough to not change. We've never experienced that in any human relationship. And you know what I think is one of the dope things about God? Is he has this amazing ability to zoom out the more and more we listen to him and we can understand ourselves more clearly. This is why David waited until the end to set up the punchline and say, there's the individual, there's a community, and then there's God, right? Then there's God. Taking you back to the, to, to, to the earlier story, right? I was in the crib. I was thinking about, man, this is about a month or probably two months removed from the situation with the chicken. I'm just reflecting like, man, I know it's some lesson in there uh, I can share or some more of the story, right? Um, and like I was saying earlier, I realized I can swat flies and spend a lot of hours swatting the flies of my individual struggles but not want to look at what that chicken is. So as, as God began to spoke to me, it got pretty personal and raw that, okay, this specific struggle that I have with lust, with pornography, is a fly 
that I try to swap. And throughout the years, I can stop on and off, then struggle heavier, then stop. And I'm like, man, I'm tired of these flies. I'm tired of this specific fly, right? And then as I began to talk to, to others, this is one, one of my brothers as well put me on this one book and we began to walk through, okay, how do we go deeper beyond just behavior management of things that we experience, specifically with this instance of sexual struggles and sexuality, this, this thing that we're so ashamed of that we try to hide. And also as I walked through therapy and counseling, I realized my earliest experience where I had an instance of sexual abuse and then I was told not to tell another figure, parental figures, right? That began to encode in me not to tell people when I struggled. Whether that's with specifically this lust or when I'm running around and overworking. It began encoding me that no, Shame says, when you tell this, it's going to ruin a lot of things. And in this book, Unwanted, that I began walking through with one of my brothers to understand why lust is one of my responses to anxiety and depression, he is this game-changing quote that I want to share, that we look to the past not to find excuses for reprehensible behavior, but because narrative holds the key to unlocking destructive patterns and implementing all future change. One of the most difficult things about working with people is that we are more comfortable talking about how screwed up we are than carefully studying the why behind our unwanted sexual behavior. This will require us to survey landscapes that many of us hold as sacred if not off limits, family and community. And so maybe as I share, that's not your particular struggle, but there's always a rotten chicken in the oven that we block out due to the busyness of life. And unfortunately, far too often in the world, but then also within our faith communities, we learn how to become incredibly efficient at swatting flies. And we strongly stigmatize stopping to search hard for the forgotten rotten chicken. And one of the messages that I continue to learn and journey towards wholeness is back in the community section of the verse, right? That as a father in Psalm 103, 13, shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So when the chicken comes out the oven, the Lord doesn't run away. But what actually does he do? Luke 15, 11 through 24. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pies that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I am ashamed so much I can't even be called family. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while while the chicken was still in the oven... For two weeks, while the flies were flying around, while the smell was unbelievable, and he was still a long way off, his father saw him and what? Felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. crazy. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he don't deserve to eat. Just look at that chicken. He can't even cook for himself. He can't even stop and think about what he's doing. He's working too hard. The father said to his servants, man, he done messed up too many times. The father said to his servants, I'm sick of this dude, man. Hmm, What did the father say to his servants? Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the leftovers from Thanksgiving. Wait, no, he he didn't even give him the leftovers. He said, make a Thanksgiving-worthy meal for my son right now and kill it. Let's eat and party like it's the morning of Christmas and you're waking up to those gifts underneath the tree. Because my son, what? In verse 24, this my son was dead and is alive again. This my son was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. God sees our soul 
when we run far away and it's filled with compassion. Today, he doesn't care about where you have been or what you did. But he simply wants to come sit and feast with you and celebrate. Why? Because of Romans 8.28, the steadfast love of, from everlasting to everlasting that Psalm talked about. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Is verse 29 up there? If not, that's good. He says, I'm convinced that neither height nor death nor angels nor demons, anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God. But what is that love of God? The love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ Jesus is an everlasting to everlasting love of God that David was talking about. In Psalm 103, the Israelites only had a Moses who was almost killed early on as a kid, right? He went into exile 40 years from the shame of killing an Egyptian and was accused and rejected by his own people when he was trying to help them. He struggled with his identity growing up in the palace of the Egyptians and being rejected by his own people, feeling inadequate so much that God's anger burned against him. Yet God still used him to deliver and liberate a nation of people to a land promised to them that he didn't even get to experience. But I'm here today to tell you that you have something that the Israelites didn't even have. Today, you have a greater Moses. The old Moses almost got killed by Pharaoh. And this Moses also dodged a Herodian foe. The first Moses got to live in a palace. But this Moses came from poverty in Nazareth. The old Moses went into the desert in shame. But this Moses went into the wilderness brave. It took the old Moses 40 years. But it took this Moses 40 days. Unlike the old Moses, he didn't come just for his people to be let go. This Moses came for the whole world to know him. You can't find the body of this Moses because none of his bones were broken. The old Moses got impatient 
with our complaining. And he didn't make it to the promised destination. But this Moses, this Moses heard our groanings and still chose to cross over by going under the cross for us. Do you know this Moses? Somebody say, bless the Lord, O my soul. When depression takes over, bless the Lord. When the police kill my cousin, when I lost my close homie from cancer, when the bank account is low, my job's out of control. My family looks hopeless. When my soul felt like that chicken that was old. You took me out the oven and still chose to make me whole. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. City Hope, I'm gone. But you can go ahead and bless the Lord with your soul. Thank you.